I want to kick off this episode with a statement, and I want to see if you agree. As a leader, you can grow and learn from creating content. Now, initially, you may think that to create content, we have to have all the answers. But in this episode, I have two amazing teachers, Che Cheney and Pab Wander, who share how, through the content creation process, they became better leaders, inspired educators, and connected to a greater community. In this episode, we also discuss the benefit of passion projects, personal professional development, sharing your voice with other connected educators, and their projects, the Staff Room Podcast, and The Drive. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire listeners, I have two fantastic educators, and we've been connected as soon as they started their podcast, and they are doing some phenomenal things in the educational space. I have Shay and Pav with me, and I am so excited to talk with them about a whole host of topics. But before we begin, I just wanted to thank you both for being on the Aspire podcast. Thank you so much, Josh. It's it's thrilling for us to be here. It's uh, you know we've had Aspire on our on our checklist since the very beginning. So we're glad, we're glad we made it. <laughs> you know what, Pav, you're right. And Josh, thank you so much. But you, you're right. When you're new to the podcasting scene, you you quickly gravitate and see who knows what they're doing. Like, oh, we got to pick up a little bit of this. So we'd love to be a guest on that. So yes, Aspire was on our list. So we know we've done something right when we get this invite. <laughs> you guys are too kind. I, I love what you guys are doing. We're going to talk about all the different projects that you are a part of and it seems like you're connected in so many spaces and I really want to talk about that today too and how you've connected with so many wonderful educators and leaders. But before we begin all those different topics, I would love to know about your educational journey and where the podcast came from. All right. So uh, I have been teaching for 15 years in the North Toronto area. I've mostly taught middle school classes, grade six, seven, and eight mostly. And you know, I've, I've traveled from school to school in the area. I'm now at my third school, but it was the last school that I was at where, where Che and I actually met. Uh, just a few years ago, we met and we started, uh, we started doing a little bit more collaborative work within the classroom, you know, helping, I was helping a little bit more to organize school events. Uh, I, w- I wasn't there for very long, but, you know, just trying to get into the school culture and, and Che was doing a lot in the school. We actually started the podcast because of a, a, a collaborative project that we did with his students, a passion project or genius hour project um, that he always runs with his classroom. I didn't have a homeroom uh, class of my own at the time. So I, I approached him and I said, I have this friend who would like to do something in this community. He has a podcast and, you know, he's just wondering if there's something that we can do with the students. He and I went to school together in middle school. And so he wanted to give back to the community and just, uh, you know, do something with the kids. And so I approached Che and we said, you know, just giving these students an opportunity to podcast would be amazing. Just uh, something that they have no exposure to and they would really benefit so much from seeing how that process works. And and the process of sharing your voice was essentially something we really wanted to give uh, give these students. So 
we went ahead and did that project and Che and I, when we first went to go visit the hosts of the show and just kind of check out the studio and how everything would work, they recorded a little episode or it was supposed to be a little episode. It was supposed to be 10 minute, a 10 minute blurb that would go at the start of the student episode. Right. Well, we ended up speaking for 45 minutes and they released that conversation as a separate episode altogether, just because of, you know, the rich educational talk that we had going and, and, and we just, Che and I just fell in love with the idea of sharing our thoughts and our feelings through a microphone for other people to listen to. You know, it was just a, you know, we had done some blogging with our students in the past and it, and it just sort of felt a little bit more authentic and real in real time. And, and the conversations that we had were so great. And it was that moment we decided, I think we got to do this. I think we need to reflect on our own educational journey, on our growth, on our professional development. And that's where it was born from. So we decided uh, after that summer to, to, uh, to start the podcast. We did our research. We gathered the equipment we needed. And on September 1st-ish of uh, last year of 2019 is when we when we released episode one of the Staff Room podcast. And it's been a whirlwind since <laughs> then. Tons of fun and lots of great experiences. So um, Che's going to add to that with some funny anecdotes. Go. <laughs> if the question doesn't throw me under the bus, you're just going to put all that pressure on me to be funny. All of a sudden, they're out there with a, a check note going, oh, we're going to count how many times you're funny. And then if I don't hit the marker of three, Josh could get some nasty tweets saying, hey, (laughs) Pav promised humor and that Che guy didn't deliver. He didn't deliver. (laughs) Pav has nailed down sort of the podcast experience really well there. My teaching experiences, I'm 20 years in. I've been teaching in the same school, unlike Pav's journey, and almost all exclusively teaching uh, grade eight. And it's been a wonderful journey for me in the essence of I didn't, I'm not Toronto born and raised. Pav has the experience of being born and raised in this community. So it's lots of rich connections where I am absolutely the opposite. I came to Toronto before I even had my teacher's certificate in hand and I got hired by the board. It was back in a time when Toronto and Ontario was desperate for teachers. So I literally was hired before I even had my teacher's degree certificate. And I went into my first interview nervous and I had like five or six lined up and I had driven five hours to Toronto, got the first job within 10 minutes. And I was placed in a community and area that I knew nothing about. And so when I look back on my 20 year journey, I can say it took me 10, 12, 13 years to really embed myself in the community, know the cultures that were there to really feel like I became a real part of the community. So I always think of my own personal development. I've had the luxury of being in one school, one grade predominantly for 20 years, but the the rich learning came from just a total upheaval of of my life and the simple town I was in to come into the, the big multicultural Mecca of what is Toronto. So I always think in the long run, a real blessing for me as a teacher and an educator and as a human being to really appreciate the diversity of the world and the diversity of your classroom, because it was something an experience I hadn't come from as just growing up. So I always feel really blessed to have had the sort of the no knowledge of where I was going. I took the first job, first interview with no sense of what I was getting into. And I came along with a lot of mistakes, a lot of missteps as a young, fresh teacher, not knowing uh, the cultures and the rich diversity. But 20 years later, I'm really, I'm, I'm so thankful that that's where, where I ended up as a teacher and, and my own prof- professional growth. Um, 
And then from there, uh, Pat mentioned, I've always been really involved in a lot of extracurricular. I've always really been challenged to try to new, do new things. I guess you could call it a risk taker. And so as a teacher, you know, that comes with follies. It comes with missteps. It comes with things that don't work, but it also comes with great successes. And we've always had a, a pretty good school culture for really embracing that type of, of, of risk taking from our teachers. And the podcast was one of those risks and Pat, you know, we went through a lot of red tape to try to figure it out. We had a bunch of different administrators that were, yes, we can do this, but no, someone says you can, and someone says you can, someone says you can, someone says you can. And I think that's what made it all the more uh, rich afterwards, such a rich experience is just how many, and no one wanted to say no, mm -hmm. but no one seemingly had the power and a huge board to say yes. And so in the the mindset was we want you to take risks, but then when we, we want to do, do things, then we got to make sure we check and balances all the paperwork, all the legalities. And Pava, I can see the smile on your face. You know that it was a lot of jumps to get through. <laughs> and I think that's why when we were we finished the project, it just felt so satisfying. Uh, wanted to see just the experience that our children had had and then the personal experience that we had, that we went into this whole podcasting experience with no expertise as ourselves as teachers, just a desire to want to give our students something new and fresh, despite the fact that we weren't experts in that subject. Mm -hmm. And then that became, you know, the springboard for the podcast is that we've got, we learn from our students as much as we say, we set up this learning opportunity for our kids. And I guess in, in one part we did, but the way they engaged in that learning opportunity sparked our learning to, wow, look at how into it they are. Look at the work they're producing. Maybe we could do something like that too. Mm -hmm. Now, I love that story about taking a student-led project and then in turn it impacted you and amplified your own voice as a teacher. And I think that's really hard to do um, I know a lot of teachers that are scared to amplify their voice or, you know, speak out on certain topics. So why is it so important and how can our aspiring leaders amplify their voice and, and find validation in that? So I think that one of the biggest takeaways for us in this entire journey is the amount of learning and growth that has happened along the way. And so, you know, that doesn't come from just, uh, you know, consuming and absorbing information. It's interacting and also being some of the creators or, you know, the content creators on the other end. That learning really happens when we interact with with all of the content that we're we're trying to to grow with. And so, you know, all of the, all of the different podcasts, we, we, we were not really podcast listeners before we started this journey, but the amount of different networks that we've become a part of because of all of the learning that we're doing along the way, this has really led to a lot of our own professional growth. There are so many things that when we started this journey, we didn't, we didn't even know what social emotional learning was when we had started. I mean, we knew that there was this idea of making sure that students are well-rounded and their well-being is being taken care of and, and all of this, but the, the idea that there's this whole umbrella that's been created and, and there are programs in place to help students in this way. These are things that we've learned along the way and not only just learned about, but engaged with other educators about. And it opens up the doors to be able to have conversations with other leaders, not just in your community, not just in your district or your board, but across the entire world. Mm -hmm. You know, we've done some, we've been a part of the school rubric presentations um, and, and they've had presenters from all over the world as part of their webinar series that they started a few 
few months ago. And we've been able to interact with all of these educators in, in other places of the world and seeing how they are educating uh, their students and some of the challenges that they're experiencing and how they're working around that. And, uh, you know, we we are not administrators ourselves, but we have a lot of friends that are. And so we've passed along this information to them. And they've been so, you know, grateful because they would never have come across this information otherwise in their own, uh, you know, day to day lives. And so having the ability to share this information with your colleagues, with your peers, uh, with the administrators in your building, um, this has been very valuable for us because then we put those things into place. We use what might be helpful for our students and it helps the culture of the entire building. And, and neighboring communities. Che and I are no longer teaching in the same building. I've moved to a new school. Um, and, and so we are still collaborating. We're still talking to our administration about, you know, how we can help the students, not just now where I am, but that, that trickles down to where Che is as well. And we're, we're not just helping the students in our own spaces, but we can broaden that. And I think when it comes to leadership, ultimately, that's what we want is to have bigger reach so that we can we can affect as many lives as possible. Fab, those are some some great points. I jotted down a couple already. The one thing when I think of leadership is that everyone in your school space is a leader. And sometimes we don't recognize it or sometimes we don't feel validated, but it, whether it's a teacher, custodian, office staff, uh, lunchroom supervisors, I don't want to forget anyone, but everyone in their space is a leader. And, and sometimes we can feel a little intimidated because we don't hold those formal positions of, of leadership. And when you talked about the podcasting and us finding our voice, despite having, say, 20 years of good experiences, uh, good expertise, I don't know if I truly felt like a leader, per se. Like, I knew I felt like a leader in, in my space, but was it validated in the overall umbrella of education? And I think engaging in the podcasting community was a great reflection piece. But as, Pav, you talked about this, you talked about being consumers, interactors, engagers, and then all of a sudden you're content creators and then it becomes full circle. And then when you consume, you consume differently. You, you watch with a different eye. And I give that idea where you talked about social emotional learning. We, we knew what social emotional learning was, but we, did we know the intricacies of it? Did we know the poignant details of it? And if I use that specific example, all of a sudden, you know, 55 episodes in, we're doing a podcast episode on how you embed social emotional learning into math, the math curriculum. And a year ago, we wouldn't have had the capacity to do that. And then all of a sudden that podcast episode gets noticed by your formal leaders. And then you feel your leadership is, is validated. And all of a sudden your admin saying, oh, I want to share this episode. Can I share with other schools? Are you comfortable? And like the validation it felt when our administrator or your administrator asked us if we were comfortable to share our work. Yes, absolutely. And so when I come back, like, why would I advocate for podcasting? Or it could be blogging or it could be any type of content creation to get your voice out there. It's that your voice connects you with such a vast network of people and as much as you think you're producing your content but as you're producing your content you're absorbing other people's content you start to absorb it and look really poignantly for certain pieces and thus your creation becomes even more uh, substantial and so when you're thinking about your leadership whether it's formal or informal it's really about sharing your voice sharing your expertise and your expertise will continue to grow that capacity builds so as much as you know at last year I felt pretty smart as a teacher. Uh, I know now I was only okay smart. Now I'm pretty smart and there's still room for growth. And I love when you talk about that. It's about c consumption, interaction, creation. And then it's not now that I'm creating, I stop. It's all of a sudden when you come back to the, the circle, you interact, 
differently. You consume differently and now you create differently. And I would think our podcast um, probably in the last 10 episodes has really pivoted. It's shifted because our capacities are greater. We have almost a better understanding of what we're doing. And we're able to use our podcast episodes now are sort of like stepping stones to creating PD sessions that are being shared with other with other teachers and administrators where, say, a year ago, it was really reflective and really important for us as teachers but in terms of our building capacity, it has shifted, it has changed, and sort of our role as leaders have changed because we we got ourselves in the game. We started to play, we started to interact, we started to communicate. And so whether it's a podcast, a blog, a vlog, a, a YouTube channel, you, I would just advocate for anyone, go out there and share your voice because you'll find lots of people that are going to want to interact with your voice. And then collectively, we're all going to build our capacities together. And leadership thrives on promoting other leadership. When you get into the leadership circle, no one wants to say, whoa, whoa, don't be a leader. Leadership loves leadership, whether it's formal or informal. I couldn't agree more. And I, I love what you said. And I kind of want to go back to some of the things that you guys talked about before as far as Genius Hour and Passion Projects. Because those are two things that caught my ear. And for the listeners, if they don't know what you're referring to, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing what that is. And then why is it so important for them to engage in these practices? Yes. I, one of the things maybe four or five years ago as a teacher in my own capacity started to really shift towards student agency, uh, more student involvement in sort of the direction the, the teaching was going. So less teacher centered learning. And so passion projects or genius hour, it was something I'd read about. I wish I knew the source of where I had read it, but I can't recall now because it was a long time ago, sure. but it was the idea that students could really, we could really gauge students learning by really letting them sort of pick the venues for where they wanted to learn. We could take some genius hours and some topics and then say, well, we're going to do a topic, say, on science. Why don't you explore anything related to science? Or you can go as vague as say, you have an hour with the Chromebook start to explore something, start to find out something. And as much as it seems very open-ended, sort of the, the, the ascension of Genius Hour is that you always found a different way for students to demonstrate their learning. And so you could go something, well, we're just going to do a parent share. You're just going to take three jot notes. You're going to make a brochure. You're going to make a Google slide presentation. And in, the, in our culminating activities, we turned a Genius Hour into a podcast. And so Genius Hour really is student freedom, student agency. It's our chance as teachers to see where our students are at, what are their interests at. And then that is, it becomes almost like a diagnostic assessment. It gives us information and value to know where we can curate and where we can take learning opportunities. And if I could make even a connection to social emotional learning, when you know what our students' interests are, you, when you know their story, when you know their passions, then you can take uh, activities and tailor it around those passions. So even the genius hour isn't a compartmentalized activity where I give my kids an hour, I see what they're interested in, I get a performative evaluation if I want to talk about performative evaluation or perhaps it's a great list, but we could de debate that whenever we like. Um, but when we give sort of that culminating task of how they're going to demonstrate their learning, that's not, it's not over now. It's such a wealth of information I, as the teacher, have just gained from my students. When you talk about relationship building, quality lessons, quality learning opportunities, it cements relationships because it allows me to see who my students are, what their voice is, and then it allows me to bridge gaps in my own teaching, my own teaching styles. I can see where maybe I haven't tapped into their interests, or I can see maybe I'm not providing learning opportunities like choice boards that really allow them to display their learning. And so genius hour becomes this task, but then the different ways you can allow students to demonstrate their learning also opens your eyes. And so it's that student agency, student freedom of choice that really gives you such 
insight into what your students are, are like and doing and thinking. And then that tailors your teaching even beyond the genius hour activity per se. It really allows you to bridge those gaps, build uh, assessment techniques, culminating activities that are really gonna tap into the styles of our learners. It's gonna allow us to build examples and, and find text in our class or build uh, like a reading library that really taps into our students' interests. So Genius Hour provides just a wealth of, of great teaching and a wealth of great information that teachers can use to generate greater learner, learning opportunities in their class. And another thing that's you know been so great with our, our students, um, you know, a, a a point of value, I would think, is is to is to model that passion project idea or that genius hour idea with our students. And so, you know, when Che and I did start the podcast, we were I was working at the school for for the year, and so having our students sort of see how we have modeled that for them with our podcast, you know, it, it was it was not like you know, okay, it's three thirty, it's time to jump into the podcast. You know, we're we're constantly collecting information that we are going to talk about constantly having little mini meetings in between classes, you know, oh, okay, so I've got this idea for an episode. The students are involved. They're, they're seeing all of this. They're seeing, you know, our, our, our successes and our failures as we went through our first year of podcasting. And this is essentially has been our uh, passion project that we're now a year plus into, and they see what it can do. You know, there's value in, in being able to model it for them just because they, they are able to see our growth as teachers, as podcasters, as content creators, as content consumers, um, you know, and so they can really see what the value is for them in the future as well. You know, like, why are we doing this? Why are we just researching something that we like? You know, what can this do for us? There are so many corporations out there that give their, their employees that hour, that passion project hour every week for them to kind of just do what they want. They want to learn how to play guitar. Sure, do it. Because we know that you will be happier when you are doing something that you love, uh, exploring something that you love during that work time, because it makes you happier, it makes you more content. And also you, you can then take whatever that learning is and embed it into your, your own, you know, teaching to other students, or, you know, it might be helpful for you in music class, or it might be helpful, helpful to you next year when you were doing something in school, or it might give you some ideas for a science project. Uh, so there's, there's so much value in being able to model it for our students. And I thought that that was such a great way for us to also show them that sometimes failures that we experience, and there were many in our first year of podcasting, though those failures are not permanent failures. You know, we can pick up and we can learn from them and we can show our students what it looks like to iterate the process and to make changes where changes are needed and, and grow from that. So I, I found that that was really, really important for us to be able to do. And, and I learned a lot from the process as well, um, you know, and, and it's really nice to be able to, to do this with your students with a really good understanding of what it really looks like on our end as well. I got to jump in, Pat, because I, I just had this brainwave. We, sometimes we talk about how do we build relationships. And I've always argued we don't build relationships separate from the teaching we're doing, the curriculum we're teaching. And one thing I can say with the podcast is that we were 
we demonstrated to students that we were always engaged in our craft, mm -hmm. that we always wanted to be a better teacher. So we would often say, hey, we're going to try this activity. I learned this activity preparing for this podcast episode, and I want to bring it to the class. And a great way of forming a great relationship with your students is to demonstrate what type of teacher are you going to be for them? What type of advocate are you going to be for them? What type of ally are you going to be for them? And you demonstrate that through your commitment to your craft to be a better teacher. And so when you were telling that story, I said, I made that jump. That we actually were able to cement even better relationships with our students because we could actively demonstrate how engaged we were in trying to better our teaching craft. And students, whether they cognitively aware of it or consciously aware of it or not, there's an appreciation when the, the adults in my space, I can actively see them trying to better themselves because they know it comes back to, to me. My teachers are working hard to create great learning opportunities. And I don't mean you have to do a podcast to be a teacher that's creating great learning opportunities, but the, the visual, when you talked about modeling, when our students see mm -hmm. how committed our teachers are to their own professional building, it really helps solidify those relationships because it shows to our students just how committed we are to our craft, how much we love our job, and how much uh, moral responsibility we understand and take to our to our, our teaching practice. So when you were commenting on that, I jumped a little bit onto a little bit of a relationship tangent, but you're right, the modeling is great modeling of the passion project, but it also is great relationship building because it demonstrates the, the, the commitment that our teachers and, and our educators and our administrators are putting back into their craft. And that that's a powerful thing to be aware of. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Now I want to talk about some passion projects you guys are involved in because not only are you doing the Staff Room Podcast, which we will announce that you are now a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. So congratulations to you both. I'm so excited about that. And I can't believe that I'm connected with you even more with that network. But then you're also doing the drive on voice ed radio. So that's a totally different thing that you all are doing. So I'm curious on, you know, we talked a little bit of, of the why for the Saffron podcast, but what's the why behind the, the drive? So the drive really kind of uh, was never on our radar of, you know, you know, when we start a podcast, we also want to have a radio show. It was never really <laughs> in place. It was it was something that just sort of happened through through all of this network uh, networking that we had been uh, privileged enough to be able to do. Uh, so Stephen Hurley, who runs Voice Ed Radio, actually came across our uh, staff room podcast and asked if. He could host our podcast on his uh, on the on the radio channel, the station, you know, once a week, just air our most latest episode. And we said, yeah, of course, the more places it's being played. Fantastic. We had never heard of Voicehead Radio. And so we just did a little bit, you know, we listened in a little bit and uh, we were paying a little bit more attention and we loved having the episode being played on live radio. I thought we thought that that was great. You know, people are tuning in live to listen to this. So that was fantastic. And then. You know, we realized, hey, there's there's live programming like people are coming on here and broadcasting. And he actually Stephen actually approached us and said, would you guys like a little bit of airtime, you know, to do something live? And uh, that just made me completely nervous. But, you know, <laughs> podcasting was way out of my comfort zone as it is. And then now you're telling me I got to go live and people are listening live. That was crazy. But it was one of those things where it's like, this is an opportunity that we really can't pass up. I mean, it's so cool, first of all. So Steven hooked us up. He gave us 30 minutes on Friday mornings just before school started. And we called it the drive just because 
that would be the time that pe- teachers are driving to school. And uh, it was perfectly named for people to just tune in in their cars as they're driving into work. And it was 30 minutes, a few songs, a little bit of chatter and just kickstart your Friday morning as you enter the weekend. And it was so thrilling to be on live radio and it was so much fun. And then, you know, we started this in February and then COVID happened just a month later. And we thought, oh, boy, what's going to happen to the drive? Teachers are not driving to school anymore. So what are we going to do? And actually what happened was we we started by expanding the amount of time we were on the air from 30 minutes to an hour wow. that eventually extended to two hours. And then it became two and a half hours every Friday morning uh, for the last few months. And it just became this amazing space where teachers, educators um, all over the world were tuning into that two and a half hours every Friday morning to just kickstart their weekend to chat about some of the challenges they've experienced during the day, uh, during the week, sorry, and um, just be in a, in a space together. And so we, we curate the music playlist by putting out a, a Twitter request and people request their music on, on Thursday evenings. We've now since moved our show to Sunday nights because, well, now we are teaching face-to-face and so we can't do the Friday morning um, show anymore. And so, so, um, you know, people would request their music. They still do. And we, we create this, this amazing and diverse playlist uh, that really is so representative of our audience. And, uh, and we, we have the most fun, you know, talking, teaching casually with, with everybody. And, uh, you know, we love, we love the Staff Room podcast, but being in that live space with all of these educators is really, you know, it's heartwarming and it gives us so much joy and fire to, you know, to start the week. So now we are uh, airing on 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday evenings on Voice Ed Radio. So that's our uh, new time just because we can't do the Fridays anymore. And it's still an hour and a half of just it goes by so fast. We're just we have some great talk and we and we have this live conversation going with people on Twitter at the same time. And we also have a Voxer group for the drive and people are listening and chatting at the same time, commenting about things that we've said, providing us with real time feedback, which is so important for us. Uh, you know, when things go wrong on the on the air, we know right away because people are able to provide us with that feedback. And so um, it's just a really lovely space. And it has also, you know, and when it comes to networking has expanded our network even further. Uh, we have listeners now in Hawaii, in, um, in Kuwait, in Japan, uh, in England, and all over the world. And it's, it's fantastic just to be able to connect with people live. And, and, it's, and it's also just so much fun. And of course, it's full circle again. Being on live makes you much more comfortable to be a podcaster and, and refine your practice. So I think, Pav, you said it best. Our podcast is our bread and butter. And if we think about our personal professional development, our podcast is really, it's the springboard of everything. But when Stephen Hurley was sort of joking around with us, he sold us on the idea. He's like, you know, a podcast, you know, anyone, anyone can have a podcast, but do you have a radio show? <laughs> and it, it, of course, it's tongue in cheek because uh, Stephen Hurley is a huge podcast fan. And when we made the radio show, it was, it was fun as it, you know what, our podcast, we're really proud of the work we do with our podcast, but we also know there are a really, really good podcasts that we look up to and we are constantly listening and, and trying to, you know, learn from their craft. And so we know we have a, a, a valuable place in the podcast community, but the drive, Pav and I have always joked that when this journey is all over, 
will be able to say we were the first ever edu DJs that came on and had a radio talk show that was based on sort of an 80s radio theme. You curated your music, you did live requests, and you connected your song back to teaching. And it might be, as Pat said, it might be a little fluffier, but for us, we know when we think about being passion projects, you're trying to do something new or different. This was our place where we could say we tried something different and maybe it doesn't work in the long in the long term. But for, for however long we do this, we can always say we were sort of a pioneer connecting back to a very nostalgic way of doing radio. And I think we, we really enjoy that po- component because it's something where we can say we're podcasting and we're part of a great network of podcasters and we're learning our craft. But then we can always come back and say, and our passion project has led us to try to do something totally new totally it's not new because of course live radio is not new or you know uh, musical requests but the idea of teacher talk with musical requests that's probably new and so we we've really uh, enjoyed that but certainly the podcast is is certainly our bread and butter it's certainly where we know we build our professional development but i will add doing the radio has made us a little calmer when you get into the podcasting scene like you're trying to find your place you're trying you're, you're wondering if you're doing anything right and Stephen hurley really coached us along like when we talk about a, a lot like uh, josh you know the whole teach better team yeah. i always say they're always givers first you know this because you're part of that team you always give and you support and then you know as you give and you support it comes back to you and you guys always amplify that type of leadership and Stephen Hurley is very much uh, the same he's always amplifying us always supporting us and he said don't worry about your numbers and this is why Pav talked about reach just worry about your reach who are you connecting with if you're broadening your PLN so you can hear stories in say Texas or California or Massachusetts if you can find out more about how teaching looks in other parts of the world it just it, it strengthens your own teaching so we do hear about what it's like in Australia South Korea Japan Kuwait uh, England and you're like our own teaching practice is so enriched by be- having a reach that allows us to really see what is teaching like in other parts of the world where we we wouldn't have and I think that's one of the the real benefits of, of, of worrying about, not even worrying, thinking about your reach. It's like, where now are you able to see what's going on? We're before this journey path. Like we knew what was going on in our school and the three schools around us. Yeah. I love the theme of growth because everything that you've talked about so far is about finding ways to connect and finding ways to grow. And that's so important. And I want to give some advice to our aspiring leaders right now. So for those who are listening, who may not have a leadership title, because Shay, you said it perfectly before, you don't have to have a title to be a leader. What are some things that they can do to help their growth as a leader? I would say connect with the people in your space and connect with other leaders, connect with as many people, build a really great and vast PLN with not just other administrators, you know, or other people that are in your role, Um, you know, connect with leaders that are teachers, connect with leaders that, you know, are librarians, connect with leaders in many different areas uh, or aspects of of leadership anywhere, you know, in any any field of work, Um, because those, those ideas and those, uh, those qualities and characteristics of good leadership are universal. Uh, and so you can learn from leaders that are, you know, working in the corporate world or within education or, you know, anywhere, because being a good leader, and this is something that I learned from, you know, Start With Why by Simon Sinek is such a great book. Yep. And it was really something, all of all of uh, Simon Sinek's uh, 
work on leadership is really mind blowing to me because it's, it's, he's totally right. I mean, all, all of these qualities and characteristics, they're, cro- they're across the board, you know, building really great relationships with the people that are in your building. This doesn't just apply to within our schools. It applies all over the, all over the place. And so connect with different leaders to see what they are doing to inspire the people that they work with. And this applies to teachers as well. You know, when when it comes to your own students in your classroom, uh, what are the different ways that you are connecting with those students, building relationships with those students to get more from them? You know, it's it's not, it, and this is, you know, Chase saying inspire, don't require inspire them to do better. Don't, don't, you know, always just be laying down the law and saying, this is how it has to be. We all learn together. And so part of being a really great leader is understanding that everybody has something to offer to, to build up on the community space. And, and we learn from each other how to be great leaders and, and focusing in on that uh, personal perspective and inspiration is really key for that. I would add, Pab, just to piggyback with two ideas and and almost a little bit of self-coaching, self-talk. Do talk to yourself and remind yourself, regardless of where you are and what you're doing, you have a leadership role and everyone around you does have that in them. Not Sorry, not has it in them. You already are that. You are a leader, whether it's classroom. I'll just end up repeating myself, so I won't repeat myself. But when you're in a space, you're a leader and we sometimes just forget it. And then when we forget it, sometimes our mindset is half to battle. When we remind ourselves that what we're doing is leading, that it sets itself up for success. But also beyond just saying have a good positive mindset, you do have to take action with that. You have to build things. And I, I'll take it almost from courageous conversations, uh, Mr. Singleton, although that's anti-racist work, but start in your room. Start in your classroom and then maybe do a joint collaboration project with your grade partner or your teacher just beside you in the hall. Build something bigger and then maybe include your entire division. Um, Maybe take your entire division and say, let's make an initiative. Let's have a wellness initiative for our four classrooms or our six classrooms and continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. You, You can't start changing the world. You can't clean the world if you can't clean your room. So start small, start building out. And then if, if have you said about find leaders all over the place, if you still feel like the, your school space is not it, the, the whole worldwide web has really opened up that there are really no walls anymore. And if I can think of our own leadership growth, even say the education never dies chat we build on Wednesday night, it's not necessarily the greatest chat, the biggest chat, but it's certainly a, a space that we've helped create that allows us to take a leadership role in sort of those edu chats. And so there are other venues where you can get outside your walls and connect with people, where you can validate your leadership, where you can practice your leadership, where you can connect with other leaders and get other great ideas. And so yes, mindset, Start small in your building, connect with the people around you, try to create small and small initiatives. I remind myself of, you know, 15 years ago when I was just starting, but before iPads even had a second generation, actually they, it was second generation because that's when the camera came in. I bought two for myself and I did a bunch of activities in the school and I did some work with my, with, with my class. And then I sort of partnered up with my grade partner and I said, Hey, look what I'm doing. You want to try this too? Oh yeah, let's try this. And then we connected to another teacher. And then the three of us were working with these two iPads to make some videos. Like this is a long time ago, 15 years ago. But then once you had started something, then you could go to your administrator and say, I, I, I have these two iPads. I've done these little projects. What do you think? And I always think of uh, Pav, we've talked about this before. One of my favorite principles, not necessarily the one I had the best relationship with, but I always called her action Jackson. Cause when she saw that you were, doing something 
something, she changed on a dime to get you the resources, get you the money, to get you anything to keep uh, propelling forward. And so I always thought of that example. I took these two little iPads, we grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you could go to your admin and say, I don't just want this, but I haven't done anything. I've actually done this. This is what's going on. This is what's growing in my space. And I've, I've reached that pivot point where now, now I need a little bit more investment. Perhaps some time is investment, a little bit of resources, some, some, some funds. And so on top of mindset, do take action. And that would sort of be, I don't even know if that's right. I just know that's been my experience. And, and it's when I come back and say, yeah, it worked out well. I can assure you, you're right. <laughs> Especially the connection piece too. I, I love what you all said because each one of you are connected, like you said, Boxer, Twitter, Facebook. I mean, all these different avenues. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a part of everything. You don't have to be a part of every Twitter chat, but you do need to get connected somewhere. And you need to find some type of social media outlets where you can find other leaders and i really loved your guys's answers especially with the connection piece and so for our aspiring leaders that are listening right now who may not be connected with you how can they connect with you on social media so we are all over the place um but on twitter we um our twitter handle for the staff room podcast is at staff podcast for the drive it is at the drive voice ed at Mr. C. Cheney and at Pav Wander. And those, those are really great places to reach us. We're very active on Twitter. Uh, we are also on Facebook, the Staff Room Podcast, as well as Instagram, also the Staff Room Podcast. And we are still expanding. And so look out for us. You really can't miss us on, on social media. And uh, we love connecting with people. We do love interacting with, uh, you know, people who engage with us on on all of those platforms and we're learning and growing along the way. And so we always welcome that, that situation and that scenario. So please reach out to us. We'd love to have conversations with, with all educators from all over the place. I'll piggyback on that. We love to interact with people. Um, one of our things that we don't think of ourselves as sages on stage. If, if we can interact with you in those spaces, we want to interact. We don't just want to drop content. We do love to connect and, and talk and learn and grow. So yes, all those handles we're very active on, but not solely active to give it to, to tell you what we're doing. We're very active because we want to interact. We want to have a communication. If you've got a blog, send us a blog. We, we spend like our Saturday and Sunday mornings, Pat and I are like, who's going to read these blogs? I'm going to read those blogs. We want to make sure we're engaging in people's content because ultimately we all grow by giving and encouraging first. And it's sort of, sort of a model. I know Josh, you and Teach Better are absolutely all about that. Let's give and support and, and honor what you're doing. And then we, you know, you're going to reversely, we're going to honor what you're doing. So yes, connect with us and we love to interact with people. And these two are wonderful. When they say connect with them, they truly mean it. So honestly, I don't know how you two do it. You guys are active everywhere. Um, I give you kudos because I just love the content that you're putting out there. But then also, there's a true relationship that you guys are building. It's not it's not fluff. It's not artificial. And I love that about you two. And I'm so proud to be connected with you with the Teach Better Podcast Network. And so um, you guys are going to be up on our site very, very soon. So I'm excited about that and excited to have now what will be 12 podcast in the network. So it's growing like crazy. Um, I'm going to have all of your social media links in the show notes. So make sure for the listeners to go in there and, and definitely connect with them. Shane Pav, you guys are amazing. I, I'm just so fortunate to not only be connected with you through these last couple of years on social media, but to now have you a part of the podcast network. So thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast. Thank you, Josh, for having us on, on Aspire and, uh, you know, for taking the time to always have such great conversations with us as well. So this was a really 
blessed and humbling experience for us. So thank you so much for having us. Yes, Josh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for announcing we are now part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. We're very excited about that. I'll just correct you on one thing, though. Pav is super amazing, and I'm just below average. And then collectively, (laughs) collectively, we are amazing. You both are. Josh, he just wants to hear you say it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you baited me, and I went for it, so... It was great having you on the podcast. Like I said, just keep doing the amazing work that you continue to do. Thank you. Thank you.